teaches at a seminary there prepping local pastors, and Kim teaches math at an MK school. And uh, of course, those are great schools for people who are off in uh, foreign lands. Many of you know uh, Bob and Donna Gilmore. Uh, they have a grandson who was tragically killed in a plane wreck this last week. He is a missionary pilot, had been in Guatemala for less than a month. Uh, he and a co-pilot crashed a plane in a farm field that caught fire. Fortunately, there was a local farmer there who, who pulled them both out of the, uh, out of the wreck. Uh, but unfortunately, Luke went on to pass away from his injuries in the following day from burns. Uh, you'll see up above there, he's a father of uh, three young girls, and mom is pregnant with a fourth. So they are in a, a, a bad spot now. And there's no way we can know why these things happen, right? But we do know that what we should do as a family of God to come around this, this family in prayer. And there's even an option to give. Uh, in the back there, you'll see uh, some little handouts we have that tells you how to participate in a giving program for a GoFundMe for the family. Uh, it's been up for just over two days now, a goal of 100000 When I looked before church this morning, it was already to $60,000. So people are stepping up. So if you would like to, I'm sure that will help them move through all the transitions that are ahead. Let's pray. Father, you are faithful and true. God, Father, we thank you for uh, the option that we have every day to give and to share with others who have greater needs. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the teaching we will hear this morning, for the power of your word and the power of your love. Father, be with this family in the Philippines who seek to serve you. Father, and the Sullivans who have had this tragic event in their life that's affected so many people. We pray for your blessing that you will show yourself strong as a comfort to all of them involved. We pray for the junior high group and high school group that are off to camp this week. Lord, these are times of change in these young lives. We pray that you would move mightily in that group. In your name we pray. Amen. I love you, Lord, and I lift my
shaking savior you got chains he's a chain breaker we've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire and we've all run to things we know just ain't right well, there's a better life there's a better life if you've got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need freedom or saving he's a prison shaking savior you've got believe it you receive it if you can feel it somebody testify if you believe it if you can see it if you can feel it somebody testify you believe it you receive it you can feel it, somebody testify. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. You need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking sadal. You got chains, he's a chain breaker. You need freedom or saving. He's a prison shaking savior. You've got chains. He's a chain breaker. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Amen. Good morning, Riverview Church. Pastor Mark here. I'm actually in Chicago this weekend attending my nephew's wedding, but I'm very excited about our guest speaker this morning, Dr. Raleigh Washington. Let me tell you a little bit about this amazing man. Raleigh served in Vietnam, earned the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, won the Bronze Medal Award for Meritorious Service, came back to America, received his Master's of Divinity from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, the same school I attended and went on to plant an amazing church called Rock of Our Salvation Church in Chicago. This church uh, was a model church for breaking down racial walls and made an incredible impact in the city. In fact, Raleigh wrote a book about the experience called Breaking Down Walls. That book won the 1994 Gold Medallion Award from Christian booksellers here in America. Raleigh also became the president of Promise Keepers, an organization that has impacted the lives of thousands and thousands of men, not only here in America, but around the world. And he had an incredible impact at Promise Keepers. A little fact about Raleigh, he received his honorary doctorate from Westminster College in peacemaking. Two other people before him received that award, Mother Teresa and Desmond Tutu. So Raleigh is in very good company. He also happens to be the father of a very close friend of mine, 
Dr. Coffey Washington. As you know, Coffey has spoken here at Riverview a number of times. Uh, Coffey was one of my closest friends. We worked together at Trinity for 12 years, and I became very close to this wonderful family. And I'm so thankful Raleigh was willing to come and speak this morning to us. Would you give a very warm welcome to Dr. Raleigh Washington? Uh, thank you very much. It's not normal for me to be following in the footsteps of my son. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, been a joy to hear how he is so loved by you. Uh, I um, retired from Promise Keepers in December of 2017 uh, as president and uh, moved to Jacksonville, Florida where I'm president of the ministry called The Road to Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, my time at Promise Keepers is great. I, they gave me the title President Emeritus, so I'm still involved. And we're going to have a relaunch of that ministry in uh, end of July in Dallas of next year. Road to Jerusalem is a ministry uh, whose vision is that the world might believe. That's an evangelistic message. It comes out of John 17, where our Lord prays, verse 20, 21, I do not pray for these alone, but for those also who believe in me through that word. These is Jewish believers, and those are everybody else who will respond to the gospel based on these. John 4, 22 says salvation is from the Jews, and uh, our Savior happens to be Jewish. And so what we're doing is uh, delivering this message. Uh, we've called of God to deliver this message. The Apostle Paul wrote about it in Ephesians chapter 2 saying that uh, he's our peace, Yeshua, who broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility between the two groups, Jew and Gentile. The Bible only talks about two kinds of people, Jewish and Gentile, creating one new man, thus establishing peace. And so that dynamic is... Uh, when Jewish believers and Gentile believers come together as one, it'll cause the rest of the world to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and it will bring a peace uh, in ways like never before that will hasten the return of our Lord. So that's our ministry. Coach McCartney is the founder, and we launched it together from 2004 to 2008, and that was five years of plowing concrete because it was a challenge in so many ways. Uh, and now I'm back on that road, uh, relaunching that ministry, and uh, uh, the response is uh, a bit different. Hopefully in the late fall of this year, we'll do uh, a Road to Jerusalem event here in San Diego. And uh, I'll lean on Pastor Mel, that all of you be there to be a part of it, It'll be a blessing. My lovely wife is here. She's my rib. Prime rib, that is. Uh, uh, Paulette, wave your hand, darling. Uh, 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 uh. And she, she... Well, that's good. That's coffee's mama. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's going to be sitting at the table. 
and uh, coffee would be real blessed if many of you would sign up on that sheet so that you can get a newsletter on what his mom and dad are doing on the road to Jerusalem. Uh, we only have one book left, Breaking Down Walls, but we've got about eight or nine books about the one new man that's there as well. We'd love for you to take advantage of that. So that's out the way. Let's move forward. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor. We glorify your holy and righteous name. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. I pray that you'd allow me to decrease in the humanness of who I am so that you might increase in the power of your spirit in and through me, speaking to these thy people so that they will be strengthened in their faith, knowing that it's going to be tested time and time again. Father, we give this time to you now powerful and matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, my subject is finding joy in trials. Finding joy in trials. Obedience is the key to passing the test when your faith indeed is tested. Reminds me of the story of an atheist who didn't believe that God existed. This atheist walked into the forest and he was admiring the beauty of creation that he thought just happened by itself. The trees and the birds and the streams and the butterflies and the rabbits and all. He, he just, was just admiring it. He heard a rustling behind him, looked over his shoulder and saw a bear that was coming right after him. So what did he do? He took off and started running. Bears can move pretty fast. And as he was running, he looked over his shoulder, the bear was gaining. So he just kind of put it in second gear, tripped, fell down a slight hill, and the bear landed right on top of him with his long claws coming right at him. And that atheist yelled, Oh, God, save me! Everything hushed. The clouds parted, and a voice said, Does that mean that you now believe in me? The atheist says, No, 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 I'm not going for that. But if you really exist... Don't save me. Save the bear. And the boy said, so it shall be. Now we're back in fast time and the claw's coming right down. The bear stops, put his paws together and say, Lord, bless this food for which I'm about to receive. Uh, the atheist did not have faith and when put before a test, he failed the test uh, and became food for the bear. Uh, as we seek to find joy in trials, uh, the question is, how have you responded when faced with a test of your faith? Have you been tested and uh, how did you Respond and will you be tested further? And if so, how will you respond? We're going to look uh, in the book of James, chapter 1. James is the brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who lived with Jesus the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, and uh, did not have faith for a while. But uh, when things transpired, he did get faith and has written about it in a very profound way in the book of James. If you turn there with me, the book of James in chapter 1, uh, we will 
look and see how James responds and speaks to us. James chapter 1, verse 1 says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, what James is saying here very clearly is that you, your faith, will be tested. It didn't say that if you are tested. It says when you are tested. So it's clear that he's saying your faith will be tested. And in First Peter, look over, in verse 12, Peter speaks to that very same thing. Verse 12, he says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for the testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Uh, James says you will be tested. Uh, Peter says uh, don't be surprised, and that your testing is not going to be light. It's going to be challenging. You'll face a fiery ordeal. So let's unveil uh, four insights from the book of James uh, regarding uh, the testing of your faith. First insight I give you is this. Your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested. Uh, James says that uh, consider it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. Then let endurance have its perfect result so that you will be perfect uh, in everything. So if you endure this fiery trial and the testing of your faith, it will build your endurance. And as your endurance is built, you'll be perfected in your ability uh, to face and deal with trials. Uh, how do you face trials? James, I read in verse 5, tell you, well, you need wisdom. Look at verse 5. It says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach, and, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. If you need wisdom, pray for it. You'll receive it if you pray in faith without doubting. If indeed you are not double-minded. Now, I believe that wisdom really comes from the Word of God. And so if you indeed uh, have wisdom, uh, it's based always on the Word of God because uh, what you to do in circumstances uh, when you face trial, 
you are instructed clearly in the Word of God exactly how you are to deal with these dynamics. You know, when I think about uh, faith, I remember when I, I came to faith, uh, uh, I'd already been married with Paulette. We'd been married years, uh, uh, but 40 years ago, this past April, we became believers uh, two weeks apart. We'd already been, our kids are grown up, and uh, we then began to share with them. And three months later, we went to a time of confessing to one another, and then we did a renewal of our vows on San Juan, Puerto Rico. And the anniversary of that renewal is tomorrow. Uh, and uh, so we'll really uh, enjoy that dynamic. Here's what happened. I did something that I look back on and I can say, boy, it was a profound thing. I didn't know it then. See, I was a lieutenant colonel. And I said to Paulette, honey, we're now believers, two weeks apart. She calls herself my spiritual leader. Uh, and so I, I, she just said amen. I understand that. Huh? Uh, and uh, I said, but honey, as born-again believers, uh, uh, we've got to understand something. You see, I am a lieutenant colonel, and I did well to get promoted to lieutenant colonel, and I did well because I memorized the Army regulation, and I knew the regulation, and I obeyed the regulation, and I ensured that my soldiers always obeyed the regulations, and we did well because we obeyed the regulation because I knew them. I had memorized them, so the Army regulation and my memorization of the Army regulation enabled me to do well as a lieutenant colonel. I said, honey, we are now born-again Christians, and we have a new regulation, and that regulation is the Holy Bible. So what we're going to do is memorize the Word of God because that's going to help us. And so we began on a sojourn of memorizing. We memorized. We started with the psalm, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, and I standeth in the way of sinners, and I sitteth in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And we did that even today. We, we pray together, and we uh, read a verse of uh, in the Bible together and we continue to memorize scripture because that works and it has held us in good stead because when you face a testing of your faith you need the word of God Psalm 119 verse 21 says this thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I will not sin against thee but it'll defend well let me ask you a question when's the last time your faith has been tested. When was the last time somebody tried to get you to do something that was in contradiction to your faith? And this person was close to you, uh, maybe even a family member. How do you deal with that? I served on, as a trustee on uh, a very prestigious school for 15 years, and 10 years into that time, the school began to do things that were inconsistent with the Word of God, which was in my estimation, a violation of my faith. And I, I fought, fought them profusely for five years. And they didn't get better in violating the word of God. They got worse. So I resigned. 
with a strong public letter rebuking them for their behavior because what happened was in violation of my faith and I could not continue to be a part of a Christian university that was carrying on activities that were in contradiction to my faith. And I was not really seen, I mean, that was not a popular, fun thing to do because in doing so, I was saying to all of my fellow trustees, guys, you are supporting what is in violation of the word of God. And I can't hold you accountable, but God will hold you accountable for it. Your faith will be tested. And how you deal with that depends on how you're handling uh, the word of God. Are you memorizing the word of God? Are you allowing it to really control you. When somebody slaps you in the face, punch him out. No, scripture says, turn the other cheek. Uh, how many of you find something like that very easy to do? Uh, uh, but the test of your faith is will you do exactly what the word of God says. Joshua says, be, meditate in the word day and night. Be careful to do everything according to the word and do not vary from the right or from the left. First insight from James is that your faith will be tested. Now, your faith can only be tested if you have faith. And how do you have faith and know that you know that you know that you have faith? That is, you got to know that all of y'all and me, we were born sinners. Uh, and the only way to get rid of that sin that we're born under is to realize that Jesus died to pay the price for our sins. And all we have to do is acknowledge that we were sinners and confess that sin. When we confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Then Jesus Christ, who became sin so that we could become the righteousness of him, is at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we say, Jesus, we believe in you, that you died and rose again. We open our heart. Come into my heart, Jesus. Be my Savior and be my Lord. And I'll love you for the rest of my days. Now, if you've done that with a full understanding, with genuineness, boy, you've got now genuine faith and that faith will be tested and the only way to pass that test is with the word of God so your faith will be tested the second insight is to know that biblical characters uh, were tested the biblical characters indeed were tested Peter impetuous Peter they were in the boat with the disciples and they saw a figure coming across walking on the water. They thought it was a ghost. Peter said, no, it's the Lord. And he said, Jesus, call me out. And Jesus said, come. Peter steps out the boat and starts walking on the water. As he walked on the water, the winds came and blew a little bit and Peter got a little frightened and began to sink and said, Lord, save me. And the Lord did save him. And when he got him into the boat, he said, Peter, why did you doubt? Number one, one, number one enemy uh, to 
passing the, when your faith is tested to doubt uh, as to whether or not that is true. You know, that's what happened with Eve. Uh, she heard the word uh, Satan gave her and said, oh, no, it, it, that's not true. And they doubted. Uh, Esther, Jewish queen, but a Jewish uncle by the name of Mordecai uh, and Haman who hated the Jews uh, came up with a plan to destroy all of the Jews, got the king to sign it. And so Mordecai went to us and said, who knows whether or not you have been born and placed where you are for such a time as this. And uh, what are you going to do? And so Esther said to her uncle, uh, call a fast among our people and I'm going to fast and have my servants to fast. And I am then going to go in and see the king, which is in a violation to the laws. Anyone who violated that law and go into the king without being summoned was subject to death. And she says, I'm going in, and if I perish, I perish. And she went in, and what happened? The king responded to her positively, and she saved her people. Well, what kind of faith did Esther, the Jewish queen, have? I call it fearless faith. Uh, she stood firm to her faith and wouldn't buckle down even at the risk of her life. How about the Roman centurion uh, who had a servant that was ill and the religious leaders came to Jesus and says, uh, Jesus, uh, this centurion is a friend of our people. He built us a synagogue and uh, Jesus, will you respond to him? And the, the centurion says, my servant is sick and it's my home. But Jesus, I know you're not supposed to go into the home of, of Gentiles and it's against the, the Jewish law in this hour. And so you don't have to go. You see, uh, I am a man of authority and I know what authority is. And I tell this one to do it and he will do it. I tell that one to do it and they will do it. I understand authority. And Jesus, you have all authority. You don't have to go into my home, Jesus. All you need to do simply is say the word. And I know my servant will be healed. Jesus said the word, but he also said about that centurion, never in all of Israel have I seen such faith. And what kind of faith? that the centurion have, had strong faith that was based on his understanding of authority. Then there's Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, they sold a tract of land uh, and huddled between each other and says, we'll give them two-thirds and we'll keep a third part of it back. When they ask us what it is, we tell them there's two-thirds and that was the right price. And so they went to Peter, they gave the money, and Peter says, now is this what you got for it? They said, yes, to which Peter said, why did you conspire and decide to lie to the Holy Spirit? Your life is not required of you. And Ananias fell dead. Two hours later, his wife came, told the same lie, and she died right on the spot. What kind of faith that Ananias and Sapphira have? Hypocritical faith. Uh, driven by the love of Money. Uh, uh, have you been faced uh, with uh, a challenge to, to your faith uh, that would result in hypocrisy? Uh, or did you decide to be obedient? 
I can remember as a kid that I was being challenged with being obedient. Uh, as a kid, I, I learned a word, a young kid, that was not a right word. That word was doo-doo. Now, I know most of you call it poop. <laughs> um, but when I learned that word, man, I said it. I thought it was cool. Doo-doo. <laughs> My mother said, Raleigh, don't say that word. Okay. So she gave me a dime, told me to go buy a Coke. Now, you know how long ago that was if Cokes were a dime. And so I was in the projects, and I took a dime, and I'm going to the store to buy a Coke. And on the way, doo-doo. Do, do. I was just loving the sound of that word, back and forth. I got, got the coke, and I'm going back home. Do, 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 do. When I got near the house, my mother was standing in the doorway with a strop in her hand. Word had already gotten back to mom what I was saying. <laughs> and so she said, come here, Mr. Do-do. <laughs> I turned around, and I took off and started running. Uh, and uh, and I, I didn't, I stayed away. Uh, I think I might even miss lunch that day, but I got hungry later that day. Time ago, so I eased in the house, and I look, and everybody was acting like nothing was wrong. So I went to the table, got my food, huh? one eye on my food, one eye on mama. <laughs> she, she came that way, I was going to move, so I, uh, I finished my food, struck back outside, and I'm playing again. Everything is cool. Time now to go uh, to go to bed. So I ease home. He's going straight to the bathroom, washed up, got my pajamas, laying in the bed now. It's now 8.15. I'm watching the door. <laughs> 8.30, I'm watching the door. My eyelids got heavy, and I fell asleep, safe and sleep. But in the midnight hour, I felt a clamp on my hand like handcuffs. And it was my mother. And said, son, I am going to beat you for the old, I'm going to beat you for the new, and I'm going to beat you for the doo-doo. <laughs> that, that was a whipping that I remember exceedingly well. True to form, three or four days later, I said something that... Uh, I needed to be chastised for her, and my mother called me to chastise me, and I turned around to run. She said, are you going to run? No, ma'am, Mama, I'm not going to run. And I didn't run anymore. So I learned obedience as a very young man from the strop of my mother. Uh, the biblical characters were tested, and you are going to be tested. The question is, uh, how do you handle it? Will you doubt like Peter? Will you be fearless like Esther? Uh, will you have strong faith with authority like the centurion? Uh, will you fall to hypocrisy like Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, how do you handle your faith when you are tested? You will be tested. Biblical characters were tested. And the third insight that we'll look at is Jesus was repeatedly tested. Repeatedly tested. Uh, in the book, Gospel of Mark, in chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, the book of Mark, 
and chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. has to do with the baptism of Jesus. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. John was his cousin. Verse 10. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him and a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Man, how about that? He got baptized. Spirit of God descended on, upon him like a dove and a voice from heaven, God the Father, talking to his son. You are my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Notice the next verse. Immediately the Spirit impelled him to go into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being there tempted by Satan. Uh, that temptation that he faced with Satan is really covered in um, Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 10. Very famous time. It says uh, that the Spirit of the Lord took him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. He fasted 40 days. He had eaten 40 days. And at the end of that fast, Satan came up to him and says, you can do it. Turn this stone into bread. Jesus responded to Satan, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan gets wise now, and he starts uh, quoting scripture, saying, you know, it's written in the word that the angels will uphold you and not allow your feet to hit the stone. So jump off of this building. Jump off this building because you're going to be okay. Uh, he responded, it is written. The word says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then he took him up to a high place and showed him the vast domain. Satan says, I have all of this. I'm in control of all of this but I will give it all to you if you will simply worship me. To which Jesus says, Be gone, Satan. Uh, it is written, You shall worship the Lord thy God and him only. Jesus, the Son of the living God, having all power and all authority, when tempted by Satan, did not use that power, did not use that authority but he defended himself and he passed the test of, of the three times being tested by Satan in the wilderness. He passed it by simply using the word of God. Each time he was tested, he said, it is written. Notice this. Uh, to, to do that, you have to know the word do that you have to have memorized the word and to know how to use the word and you if that word is hidden in your heart you won't sin against him and you will not fall prey to anyone trying to lead you astray 
you will be tested. The biblical characters was tested. Jesus was repeatedly tested. And the fourth insight is this. You will always pass the test with the word of God. You will always pass the test with the word of God. But there's a key element to that. You can memorize the word of God, but unless you obey the word of God without compromise, it won't do you any good. So you must memorize it. You must know it. You must meditate in it. It must be written in your heart. And when necessary, you must obey the word of God, even if it's costly. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. Jesus, again, when he uh, received a commission from God the Father, what he was to do and what he was to carry out. Notice this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this. Have this attitude in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus. Although he was equal with God, did not regard equality with God something to grasp, but he emptied himself, meaning he laid aside the fullness of his robe of glory. He emptied himself, being found in the likeness of a man. He humbled himself in obedience, is that word, to the point of death, yea, even death on the cross. And what was his reward? Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name that's above every name at the sound of the name Jesus. Every knee in heaven, on earth, even in the demons in hell must bow at the sound of that name. How did Jesus earn the power of that name? With obedience. He who knew no sin literally became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God through him. He was willing to do that. Humility and obedience. No uh, joy in trial. You know, the right of Hebrew says, for the joy placed before him, Jesus endured the cross. It was the most heinous form of sin of that day, crucifixion. You know, when I think about the value of obedience, Jesus was obedient, and his obedience resulted in our redemption. His obedience resulted in him having a name that's above every name. He obeyed the fullness of his Father. So obedience is what we're required. I'm reminded of Ruth, the Gentile Moabite, uh, who met Naomi. See, Naomi and her husband and her two sons left Bethlehem because they were having famine, and they went to the land of Moab. While in the land of Moab, her sons met 
Ruth and Na had married Ruth and Naomi. And they were together nearly 10 years. Then Naomi's husband died, Ruth's husband died, Oprah's husband died. And so Naomi said, I am going back now to Bethlehem. Uh, they said, no, don't, don't go. She said, listen, uh, uh, am I, I'm at my age, am I, am I going to have another uh, husband and a child? And if I did, would you stay around long enough uh, to marry them? So no, go back to your, to your Moab princess. And Oprah kissed her and went, but not Ruth. Ruth said, no, 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 my Jewish mother-in-law. Do not urge me to leave you to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I love the very first part of the verse 17. It says, and where you die, there I will be buried. And that is a commitment until life, until life do a commitment for life, until death do us part. That was... Ruth's obedience, her faith in God and obedience. So what happened to Ruth? Uh, she ended up uh, uh, finding the cousin of Naomi whose name was Boaz. And Naomi gave her instructions and she was obedient to those instructions. This is what you do. This is how you get favor from him. And once you find you get favor from him, go to the threshing floor and then wait until you get asleep. And this is the way you to be. And this is what's going to happen. Bottom line is Boaz married Ruth. They had a son whose name was Obed. Obed had a son whose name was Jesse. Jesse had a son whose name was King David. So Ruth now ends up in the family tree and the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Savior of the world. How did she get there? Because she had faith and she passed the test. And because she was obedient to the instructions that were given to her and the end result of her genuine faith and obedience put her in the family tree of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I ask you, how are you handling <laughs> the testing of your faith? Because you will be tested. Uh, you will be nudged in many ways to compromise. Uh, uh, maybe somebody has been uh, offended. Somebody has lied to you. Somebody has cheated. Somebody has done you in. Somebody has taking advantage of you and, and, and won't take responsibility and refuses to submit. So what does the word of God say you're supposed to do? Do everything you can and they still won't respond. Then what do you do? Write them off? No, what did our Lord do to say to the sinners? Father, forgive them. Why? They don't have a clue. They don't know what they're doing. So God is requiring you to have faith and when it's tested, stand firm and don't vary to the right or to the left. That's what my wife and I've done. I've left promise keepers. God's called us. Get back on the road. 
Jerusalem, it was like plowing. But Lord, it's like plowing concrete because the Jewish people, are, the Bible says they are stiff-necked people, meaning real stubborn. And you're gonna, the Lord says, I've called you to do it and keep your hand to the plow and don't look back. And I'm going to do that without wavering. Uh, God has called you, my brothers and sisters, to stay the course. He's called you first to have faith by giving your life to him. And with this faith, be ready to be tested. Anticipate. Don't be surprised like Peter said because it is going to happen. When it does happen, no matter what comes at you, you will have a scripture to use to say, it is written, Satan, get thee behind me, and you will overcome the test of faith. God is calling you to not compromise but to stand firm. Amen? Father, we love you. We praise, we honor, we glorify your holy and righteous name. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your goodness. I pray for, Lord, those in the sound of my voice that they would have not only genuine faith, but they would be men and women of God who will indeed uh, recognize that Satan has many tricks but the word of God can defend them and through every trick that Satan may come at them. And I pray they will win the race so that in the final hour they will be able to hear the word from God the Father saying, good and faithful servant. Thank you for the privilege to share. And I pray this with thanksgiving in the matchless the majestic name of Jesus Christ.